Blog Talk Radio. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. Broadcasting this uh, evening, we had some audio glitches on the lead-up to the program, but I can definitely hear Kirk now and the sounds of the show, so I'll, I'll let everyone let me know if um, if we're not uh, broadcasting uh, appropriately. Um, I want to just have a couple quick items in the news. It was interesting that um, archaeologists and uh, paleontologists have recently published papers uh, acknowledging that the size of, of Homo sapiens and before Homo sapiens, uh, Cro-Magnon and uh, also uh, uh, Neanderthals have varied appreciably. And the size of, uh, of humans has, has increased and decreased relative to climate change. The warmer the warmer the conditions, the um, bigger the person becomes, the, the colder the conditions, the smaller the person becomes. And they have now been able to to look at uh, humanoid uh, fossils dating back now uh, two hundred thousand years, maybe one hundred and fifty thousand years for Homo sapien. And uh, a little beyond that for Neanderthal and beyond that for uh, uh, Cro-Magnon and uh, Homo uh, habilis. And it's interesting what they are acknowledging, and the evidence is, is irrefutable. It's hugely different that, that the size of humans and precursors to humanity differ appreciably during warm and cooling periods. Now, food related, right? So, no, well, yeah, food related, and uh, and the the body, you know, the the larger the body, the more uh, heat it uh, it requires, and uh, and it gives off. And there's advantages to smaller and larger uh, bodies at, at different uh, temperatures. So, mm-hmm. okay, you would you would think 
that since scientists are supposed to be smart, <laughs> that if they if they found that that the size of humans have varied appreciably. I mean, it's huge the difference uh, over the past 150 to 200,000 years, based upon very uh, specific data relative to warming and cooling periods. That they would have come to recognize that the Earth has undergone warming and cooling periods now for at least the last 200,000 years. And if they were to acknowledge that, which is the only reason that the size of human fossils has changed so appreciably, then they would recognize that it isn't a function of man's doing that is causing this current warming trend, that the current warming trend is just following the previous cooling trend, which followed the previous warming trend, which followed the previous cooling trend, and that the Earth has undergone warming and cooling periods that last anywhere from a minimum of 300 years to a maximum of about 600 years for the past few billion years. Now, the problem with that is you acknowledge the obvious here. And I read the article, and every article on these, uh, the, the different sizes of human skeletons, and not a single scientist had the ability to say, oh, boy, this uh, proves that uh, climate change is not something new that it really doesn't have much to do with um, man's current behavior. And therefore, it is not something that we can change. It is simply a, um, a part of the, the cycle of our planet. Hmm. Isn't that just interesting? They can find the evidence, they can explain the evidence, and yet they can't go to the next conclusion. You know why? It's because in the scientific community, if you speak of climate change as part of a historical precedent yeah. yeah. cycle on this planet, that, as, uh -huh. that we can prove through sediment layers has existed for millions of years, then you're a climate denier and you're considered a kook. And if you're in the scientific community because you're in academia, you're booted out. And so there's money in, in playing along, and there's abuse for telling the We're truth. going against. Yeah. Yep. So that's their only reason. It's kind of like your life the last 20 years, right. isn't Yeah, it's the only reason why they, they won't talk about it. Yeah, it, it, yeah it's, it's just like religion. If you lie to the people, there's money in it. If you tell them Allah is God and Allah hates Jews, there's money in that. If you can say that Jesus Christ is God and he hates Jews too, there's money in that. But if you can say Jesus Christ ain't God, nor is Allah, and the real God loves Jews, there's no money in that. So I just thought I would... Welcome to our work. Yeah, i just bring that to your... Uh, to your attention because it, it's um, quite bothersome to me that that we have we create this myth that uh, that scientists are um, are smart people that that we ought to follow the science and uh, I'm sorry but science has become as politically correct and therefore wrong 
and as irrational as the rest of our society. And scientism is a religion. Yeah, yeah. So yes, it is. That's uh, sad. Um, <laughs> I want to return back to the summary of Yeshaya 55. I, I read it again before the show began. And it is the most wonderful summary of what we have come to know, of what we have learned, of what we have been teaching for this past 20 years. Uh, and it's just so simply presented uh, that uh, it, it's worth repeating. And I don't know how many programs we ought to do where we just read through this again. But we're going to do it again, and then we'll press on through into Yeshia 56. But keep in mind that what we're reading here is from the second most chronicled uh, text found in Qumran, uh, Yeshia. The only thing that we find more of than Yeshia is Dode's Psalms. And the only thing that the third after that would be uh, uh, Torah scrolls. So there is a recognizing that the longest, most verbose, uh, I personally think is my favorite by far of the prophets, Yashaya, um, is exceedingly articulate here in conveying Yahweh's inspired words, which tell us exactly what not only we all need to know, but particularly Jews need to know. I think we shared on, the, uh, on a previous show, if we didn't, uh, you should know, that rabbis are paid um, five, six, seven, eight times more money than other clerics. Not even close. They, there, there are rabbis that have managed to fleece the people for hundreds of millions of dollars through their blessings and, uh, and their ability to, to tell people that their life will improve if you just pay for another blessing. Uh, and, and they charge for everything. You know, if you, if you spill some milk in your kitchen, you have to have a rabbi uh, demilk your kitchen. Uh, you, know, they, you, you can't get married in Israel without uh, a rabbi, and you've got to pay them. You can't get divorced in Israel without a rabbi, and you've got to pay them. You can't uh, convert to Judaism without the approval of a rabbi, and you've got to pay them. Uh, sometimes citizenship is even dependent upon the rabbi, and of course you have to pay them. And, and as a matter of fact, the single biggest drag on the, drag on the, on the Israeli economy is that they're paying for rabbis to study the Talmud. And they're paying child care support for the kids of the rabbis, who, by the way, they are proliferating. Uh, you know, I think there's an average now of seven children per uh, Hasidic, uh, Haredi, ultra-Orthodox family. Seven. And they're proliferating at an enormous rate, and they don't work. And the government pays them not to work and pays them to be religious all day. So it is a real serious problem, 
And if you are Jewish, if you are an Israeli, and you've been told that you can't be a good Jew unless you are a Orthodox Jew and buy into the rabbinical muck, then Yasaya 55 is for you. And you can't come to know Yahweh until you reject the money-grubbing rabbis. This is an announcement and a warning to everyone who thirsts. Choose to walk toward the water, toward the source of cleansing and life. Then let the one who wants to enjoy the benefits of the relationship do so without cost. Because the path to get the most enjoyment out of life does not require anyone to pay anything. God does not want your money. If you're making donations, you are being duped. Stop it. You have been given the opportunity to go about acquiring food, choosing to procure and obtain what is needed and what is nourishing. Come hither. Obtain wine without any money and milk without remuneration and compensation. The wine for atonement, the milk for growth. So please explain. Why do you spend continually paying out money for that which is not nourishing, such that your labor is not satisfying and producing nothing of lasting value? Listen diligently to me and be nourished by that which is good, by that which is useful and beneficial, productive and valuable, even exquisitely pleasurable and extravagantly superb, divinely delightful and abundantly enjoyable, with these things being the most desirable and beneficial options. God is saying, I'm giving you everything. Life with me is wonderful. Why are you paying the rabbis to be miserable? Best advice that you can possibly be given is incline your ear. Doing so of your own volition. And choose to walk to me. This is Yahweh speaking in first person. Choose to actually listen so that your soul might continue to exist. Then I will cut you into establishing for you the everlasting covenant, which was affirmed and verified with unremitting love and unfailing devotion for doubt. And those two statements, mm-hmm. I, I guess we, if we could... God's not into tattoos, but if he were, this would be a good one. Incline your ear, doing so of your own volition, and choose to walk to me. Choose to actually listen so that your soul may continue to live. And I will cut you into establishing for you the everlasting covenant, which was affirmed and verified with unremitting love and unfailing devotion for Dode. Behold, surely, I bestowed and I offered him as an enduring witness 
to people of every ethnicity and culture, an authorized leader publicly promoting the truth, and as an instructor for an archaic and misled world. I want to emphasize this here and now, asking you to pay attention. There is a lone Gentile, someone who is neither a Yisraelite nor Yehudi, whom you consistently fail to recognize and acknowledge that you can actually read and who is consistently calling you out, literally summoning you by continuing to make pronouncements to welcome you to an upcoming meeting. That meeting, of course, would be Kapuram. In addition, this lone goy, who is not understood nor respected by you, and who possesses information you fail to comprehend, shall be, and now has been, hurriedly brought before you, and he is intense in his continual focus upon you, not wasting any time, genuinely working as quickly as possible to pursue you, approaching the set-apart of Yisrael on behalf of Yahweh, your God. For indeed, he is reaffirming your status, lifting you up by shaking the tree to knock off the fruit so that you can be gleaned, preparing you for the harvest by recognizing and respecting your value. You don't have to go through the time of Jacob's trouble. If you accept the covenant now, seek learning the information which has been made available about Yahweh while he can be found and encountered. Choose to call upon him while he is near. Those in violation of the standard, the unethical and the moral, the religious and political, should choose to reject their way along with the evil and deceitful whose beliefs, whose musings and opinions are untrue. Let him choose of his own volition to return to Yahweh so that he may have compassion on him and love him, re-engaging in a relationship with him. And as for our God, he will actually forgive many. In reality, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways, prophetically declares Yahweh. For the spiritual realm is dimensions beyond the comprehension of the material realm. Likewise, so are my ways well in advance of your ways, and my reasoning distant from your inclinations and opinions. Indeed, just as the rain descends coming down along with the snow from the sky, they do not return there without watering and refreshing the earth, such that it conceives life, it buds and sprouts and grows. When I give seeds to one who sows them, there is bread to eat. So shall it be with my word. For the benefit of the relationship, that which goes out from my mouth shall not return to me without result, delivering exactly what was expected of it. 
Without exception, it will accomplish the relational benefits which I desire and on behalf of those I find pleasing. And it will succeed for the benefit of the relationship which I have intended for it. With a positive attitude, you will be brought out and withdrawn. And with the relationship reconciled, you'll be guided and led to the mountains and to the hilltops, becoming worry-free, peaceful, and serene, with contentment upon your face, singing. All of the trees of the field will clap their hands, bending in a celebratory manner. Indeed, the thorn bush and the, instead of the thorn bush, I should say, a cypress tree or a noble fir shall ascend. And in place of the stinging nettle, a myrtle shall rise. This will be a place to approach Yahweh, an everlasting sign and symbol, which shall never be cut down. For this is what Yahweh says, be observant and consider the means to exercise good judgment and justly resolve disputes, making good decisions. And then engage, acting upon what is correct, vindicating because my deliverance and resulting salvation are approaching. They are close and intimately personal. Boy, those are two uh, amazing sentences. For this is what Yahweh says, be observant and consider the means to exercise good judgment and justly resolve disputes, making good decisions. Then engage, acting upon that which is correct and vindicating, because my deliverance and resulting salvation are approaching, and they are close and intimately personal. And the one who is correct about me, he will come. And he will be revealed. Blessed by the benefits of the relationship, joyous and productive is the person who acts upon this and engages with it. Lots of places where uh, Yashaya makes that claim. Must Mm -hmm. be true. Or he wouldn't have been inspired by God to say it. The son of man, the son of Adam, by observing the Shabbat, not by doing nothing, by observing the Shabbat, actively engaging in it, closely examining and carefully considering the Shabbat, and by not defiling or profaning it, is empowered and strengthened, enlightened enlightened and restored by it. Obviously, we're getting something of tremendous value from it, and nothing Mm -hmm. comes from nothing. By being observant, his hand, and especially that which he influences, is kept from acting upon or engaging in anything unjust, immoral, or irrational. Do not say, regarding the observant son of a foreign land, the one who knows and understands through thoughtful examination, then who acknowledges by being discerning and respectful, who has formed a relationship with Yahweh, something which would infer or suggest that Yahweh has abandoned me, that Yahweh is preventing me from being included as part of his family. Don't make such a claim. And let not the esteemed who is an 
authorized designee say, what now? I have become a silence counselor and a muted messenger. You know, look at Yashaya. That was Yashaya's uh, claim. You know, it's uh, God, woe is me. You know, I, I am, uh, I'm done. There's just no hope for me because there's no one at the door. I haven't influenced anyone. How, uh, you know, how in the world, Yahweh, are we going to make this, uh, this work? And Yahweh is saying, don't worry. It'll all be fine. You're, you're not a muted uh, messenger. There is uh, this uh, opportunity for, uh, for you. Your words will resonate. And I think if there's anything we can claim that has value is that by focusing again on the words that Yashaya was inspired to write uh, based on the inspiration that he was given by Yahweh, mm-hmm. we are taking the messenger who's the prophet, whose words have been muted for so very long, his people unable to hear them, his people unable to see them. And for those who are receptive to Yahweh's instructions, they're once again having this opportunity to have Yahshua's message resonate within them. To the contrary, this is what Yahweh says on behalf of individuals who have been castrated as a result of the positions they have taken as leaders, of those who provide guidance regarding the benefits of the relationship by being consistently and genuinely observant, genuinely, continually, and actively attentive. During my Shabbats, who evaluate and choose to walk along the correct path in difference to me, out of respect for me and to please me, eager to experience this with me. A lovely thought. Mm-hmm. To evaluate and choose to walk along the correct path in difference to me, out of respect for me and to please me. Eager to experience this with me. And who are willing to demonstrate an intense desire to learn about, to be steadfastly committed to, and to become empowered by my covenant. That's what we all seek. That is what we all enjoy. I will offer freely giving to them in my home and within my family and within my protective enclosure, an outstretched, welcoming, and empowering hand, and a name even better than other sons and daughters. I will give to him and to them an everlasting and eternal designation and reputation, which, for having shared the benefits of the relationship, will never be revoked or taken away. And the children of the observant and discerning foreigner, they have formed a relationship with Yahweh. They serve him in love with Yahweh's name, seeking to exist as his co-workers, always observing the Shabbat, making it special by not disrespecting it. They willingly demonstrate 
an intense desire to learn about, to be steadfastly committed to, and to become empowered by my covenant. It is my desire to bring them into my set-apart mountain and to cause them to rejoice such that they are elated in the family. They're uplifting sacrifices and elevating offerings. They will be accepted and favored on my altar. This is because my house shall be called a home of intervention, of reasoned requests, and of sound judgments for the entire family. We began at Yashaya 55.1 and have now reached Yashaya Isaiah 56.7. You know, to a large degree, I think it's, uh, it is accurate of us that we have intervened. The relationship between Yahweh and Yisrael, between Yahweh and Yahudem, is shattered. You have the political types that fall on the extremes, but most of the political types who are Jews are exceedingly liberal, which is the worst position possible. And I say that, that even though God does not want us to be political and therefore doesn't want us to be in America, a Republican or a Democrat or in uh, Israel to be uh, part of any one of the 4,876 active political parties, I guess there's probably three less than that, but you wouldn't know it from the current government. Uh, Talk about a cobbled together mess. Um, The problem with liberalism is it wants more government. It wants more intrusion and and more involvement and uh, more spending and and more interaction, more protections and directions and controls of government. And so it's the worst possible option. While a conservative would want less government, and that's second only to no government. A liberal wants more government, and that's the worst of all possible options. And, you know, I, I read uh, a number of articles here recently on uh, on Jews. And Jews are still almost universally, monolithically liberal in their politics. So the Jews who are not lost in their religion are lost in their politics. They aren't, they, they aren't uh, reconcilable. They aren't salvageable. You have a growing number of Hasidic uh, Jews, Herodim, um, Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox Jews. And because they're, they're breeding like bunnies, and because there is no escape, uh, they are unmarketable, they, uh, they're unhirable, they have no job skills, the rabbis tell them, spend all day studying what they say is Torah. Bull crap. Don't read the Torah. They read the Talmud. They spend all of their time studying the words of other rabbis. And... As a result of that, they're useless. They, they can't do anything of value. They're lost in a religion that keeps them mired at a time 200 years ago. And so they're not salvageable. Mm-hmm. And so you've got 
what is now about uh, 20% of Jews, but growing rapidly, it'll be 30% of Jews before long that are lost in their religion, unsalvageable, playing religious dress-up. And you have a similar number of Jews who are exceedingly liberal in their politics and therefore unsalvageable. Now, it's interesting that when God talks about the remnant of, uh, of Jews in the land uh, during the, the time of Jacob's troubles, he's really clear. He says two-thirds of them are going to be gone. There's only one-third that I can work with, that I even have a chance of communicating with. One-third of Jews are overtly political. One-third of Jews are overtly religious. What third do you think you know, I was talking about? So, this brings us to, to Yeshua Isaiah 56.7. I, I said that, uh, well, it doesn't take much of a uh, uh, smart to say that Yahweh um, has chosen uh, Goyim to intervene in his broken family. Uh, because Yahweh says, that uh, his uh, house will be called a home of intervention, a place of reasoned requests and sound judgment, which is the approach we've taken to Yahweh's word from the beginning. Let's be resolutely rational. Let's go where the words lead. It would be impossible to overemphasize what Yahweh has inspired Yashaya to convey on our behalf. You know, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, these are transformative words. They serve as a life-changing revelation. Uh, these words epitomize Teruah, which is our life's calling. Perhaps the most pondered question in human minds throughout time has been, if there is a God, how do I get to where he is? Well, these prophetic writings that we have been reviewing and will continue to examine prove conclusively that Yahweh is God. And he has just provided a list of things that are common among those who are invited into his home. So we're going to share these seven things. And I'm... Perhaps there's uh, more, but this is a good place to start. What are the commonalities among the people that Yahweh said, these are my family? First, we celebrate a relationship with Yahweh. We choose to associate with God in a manner which is consistent with the covenant's terms and conditions. Man, mankind, Humankind was created for this purpose and therefore is rewarded for choosing to know, to love, to trust, and to rely upon our Creator's and Savior's instructions. Mm-hmm. We serve God. Number two, those of us who accept the invitation to live in Yahweh's home render assistance, fulfilling our roles in our Heavenly Father's family. Our contribution enables the family to grow. When you go to yadayah.com, yadayawa.com, and you look at, the, uh, at that site, and 
Well, the site is beautifully presented. It looks beautiful. Uh, it's exceedingly well presented on uh, a phone or uh, on a computer or a tablet. And you see the the wealth of new material and the way that it is presented. That didn't happen without enormous effort from a whole lot of people, an extraordinary effort from a certain number of people. When you become part of the covenant, your desire is to have other people capitalize on what we've come to know, love, and enjoy. And so we do engage. We share with our friends. We all take a role, whether, you know, it's a social media outreach, whether it's a YouTube outreach, whether it's a uh, a website presentation, whether it's the presentation of the audio archives of this program, whether it is uh, the the editing of these books, the publishing of them, the contribution to this program, we engage. It's what families do. Uh, there is no such thing as a good family where the any member of that family is a deadbeat, doing nothing. Families work when everybody has a positive attitude and everyone engages. That's point two. Point three. We love mm-hmm. Yahweh's personal name. Yada Yahweh. More than just knowing it, we adore and treasure it. We wear Yahweh's name proudly in recognition that God is our Father. We proclaim Yahweh's name boldly, recognizing that it alone has the power to save. We are, number four, and will always be devoted to learning. Boy, is that ever a common thread among covenant members. (laughs) By examining and considering the Torah, we are motivated to share Yahweh's guidance. This inspires us to expose and condemn religious lies and witness to the truth of the Torah, which means teaching and guidance. We do so, especially on Teruah so that God's intent to reconcile his relationship with his people is as widely known as is possible. Number five, we actively observe the Shabbat. We do not do nothing on the Shabbat. We are not religious. We do not have 5,000 ways to do nothing. We do not make elaborate plans not to have to push an elevator button. We do not figure out how we can sabbat our light switches so we don't have to touch them. We don't contemplate the amount of length that will fit within a human navel. We don't do nothing. We engage in the relationship. We study uh, his word. We share it. We live this day as the most important day to interact in the relationship with God. Well, didn't give us six days to do everything we needed to do personally. Yeah, yeah. So we could, so we could have the whole day to spend with him. So yeah, you know, it's interesting. That when uh, the time of Jacob's troubles are over and Yahweh has returned, uh, uh-huh. one of the things he said is, I'm going to send a plague onto all of those who have come to attack my people in uh, Jerusalem. He says, in this plague, 
their eyes are going to melt in their sockets, their tongues are going to dissolve in their mouths, and their flesh is literally going to dissipate to nothing. And then at the conclusion of this, he says all their weapons of war, the same thing's going to happen, exactly the same plague. They're all going to dissolve, turning into nothing. There'd be nothing left of them. Then he says that, that what's going to be sufficient for the Gentiles that live in these countries that have brought troops against Israel. So these are non-combatants who just happen to be Gentiles from the countries who sent uh, combatants. He says they're going to come into uh, uh, Jerusalem once a year, and that once a year it's going to be sufficient, and they're going to do two things. One thing they're going to do is they're going to make a profession to the king. So they're going to announce their overall position relative to Dode. And the second thing they're going to do is they're going to celebrate uh, Sukkah. So once a year, every Gentile that survives this, who's you know, not already ethnically uh, Israel, is going to come into Jerusalem, and that's what they're going to, uh, to do. And God's saying, that's sufficient. It is, uh, it is enough. Hey, just one second. Um, for, for God to say that is pretty remarkable. That basically says is you can celebrate Pesach, Matzah, Bukhurab, Shabuah, Teruah, wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. In fact, you don't, you don't even, there's not even a mention, you may not even have to celebrate them. Why? Because what does matter is that to be one of the people that survive, you will have already become immortal and perfected and adopted and enriched and empowered. And by making the declaration to the king, you will have fulfilled Teruah. So the only thing left is really to celebrate the relationship with Yahweh. So come to Jerusalem to celebrate Sukkah. Sort of means there won't be a whole lot of goyim, because Jerusalem is not a very big place. But uh, God says that's sufficient. That will be enough for the uh, the goyim. I don't know if more will be re- required of uh, of Israelites or not, but God's pretty clear on that. Number six, we're passionate about the covenant, and as such. We walk with God and we respond to him in accordance with the five conditions which comprise and define the covenant agreement. And by responding to and accepting the covenant's instructive conditions, we're afforded abundant life within Yahweh's family. There are five conditions of the covenant. God's not going to change them. He didn't change them for Abraham. He didn't change them for Dode. He didn't change them for Moshe. He's not changing them for anyone. They're the same conditions for a Goyim as they are for a Israelite. You have to disassociate from governance and politics and religion and conspiracies from the culture of man, from the family of man such that you can walk to God and be perfected. The walk to God that allows God to perfect us 
is the Moed Mikre, these seven annual meetings. And God says, trust and rely on him, which means that we stop trusting and relying on government. We stop trusting and relying on religion. We trust and rely on Yahweh instead. Then God uh, asks us to observe, which is to closely examine and carefully consider the terms and conditions of the covenant so that we know what we're accepting, how to accept, how to benefit. And lastly, as parents, he asks us to circumcise our, our sons on the eighth day so they remember and we remember to raise them such that they choose to be part of God's family. The seventh point that is common with among us is we respond to Yahweh's request and we appreciate his intercession on our behalf as beneficiaries of Pesach, Matzah, Bakurim, and Shabuah. We are thrilled to blow the shofar on Teruah. As a result, Yahweh is pleased to bring us to his mountain and home so that we can celebrate his return on Yom Kippurim. Now, what's interesting here is, is that when Yahweh is saying this is what is day, day is, uh, I mean, sufficient, it's uh, adequate, it's enough, and said, uh, you know, what's adequate is that once a year, if you're a, a Goyim, you come to Jerusalem and you celebrate Sukkah. Well, he's saying this on Yom Kippurim. And yet he is saying, he's not telling the Goyim they need to come for Yom Kippur. Why would Yahweh say that Sukkah was enough when he is returning on and he's making this declaration on Kippurim? And Kippurim is the single most important day in his entire existence. But he's saying, he's not telling the Goyim they need to celebrate Kippurim. Why? Well, the answer is that Kippurim is for Yisrael and Yahudah. Kippurim is, is God reconciling his relationship with his people. You know, that's with a goyim that's part of the covenant. We observe sukkah in recognition of what God's going to do for his people. Knowing that whatever we do to Teruah effectively on are uh, before it, the more promising the result will ultimately be. Now, continuing to teach us, God says, and it, this, the 56th chapter is as rich as the 55th. Yahweh, my upright one in foundation, who gathers the scattered of Yisrael, yet again announces in advance of it occurring, I will assemble, bringing together before him those he has obtained. Now, Yeshia is acknowledging two related events. The beloved prophet is reminding us that Yahweh will once again kabat, collect, unify, assemble, and save the Nadak, the scattered sheep of Yisrael. This process began on January 27th, 1945, with the liberation of Auschwitz, leading directly 
to the return of Yehudim to Yisrael. It will conclude 88 years, 246 days thereafter, 777,000 hours on October 2nd, 2033, on the Day of Reconciliations. The second aspect of this appears to be deeply personal, letting us see an aspect of Yahweh's character that is seldom considered, that Goyim uh, frantically blowing the shofar, the, the knacker and saris Yahweh has deployed to call his people home, will witness the product of, of uh, his efforts. A united Yisrael gathered before Yahweh. And while he views his contribution as negative, or as, as not negative, as uh, negligible, it is God who realizes that a joy shared is a joy magnified. The knacker will get albeit in a much more dramatic fashion than he anticipated, what has, what really what he's long desired, the opportunity to experience Yahweh's joy in the presence of his people. So while he has requested nothing more than being allowed to stand in the back of the room, when Yahweh greets his family for the first time, he's going to be a proud father. And he wants to see his son's response to all they have achieved together. And this, again, is not individual. Um, God has been really clear here. There is a, a whole family that has been brought together by this work. And the more who capitalize on this offer, the better it is for Yahweh, the better it is for his people, the better it yeah, is for the individual. Yeah, and for all of yeah. those individuals. Yisrael, I uh, initially shared this prophetic pronouncement regarding the Inacre with you, my Yehudim friends. Uh, at the conclusion of the, uh, the prophecy uh, is future history prologue and Barashit. It's uh, in the beginning. It's volume one of Yada Yahweh. In the Hebrew text, the only difference between Nacker and Nacri is the addition of a yod, Yahweh's hand, making Nacri my observant foreigner. In the pictographic characters which um, originally shaped these words, Nacre means the seeds which take root and grow are being handed to the observant to see and consider. Not a lovely word. But that's what the word means when you're looking at the, um, the Paleo-Hebrew characters. Yes. It's the seeds which take root and grow are being handed to the observant to see and consider. And the letters are all moving from right to left, the way the language flows. And while that's good, presented as nakri as opposed to nakar is far better. Hebrew words are determined to be beneficial or counterproductive, as you discovered, Kirk, based upon whether the characters which comprise them 
move toward or away from one of the four letters comprising Yahweh's name. In this case of the Nakri, the child bearing the seed, the observant individual are growing and looking towards Yahweh's outstretched hand, the Yod, the first letter in Yahweh's name. Yeah, With an eye to, pardon, Kurt? No, I just said perfect. That's what, exactly what he says. Yes. Uh, my Nakri is, uh, is the, the seed which takes root and, uh, and grows, uh, which can be observed and is being handed to you. Um, that uh, takes us to Yahweh's outstretched hand. Now, with an eye to these characters, then, Nesh, this is something that um, uh, Mike found, who is the, uh, our beloved mm-hmm. fact checker. Uh, with Ness, N-E-S, it's just really two letters, N-S, Shemek being the, so none Shemek, uh, which is the sign that the Choder, which is the term that Yashaya likes to use to describe this Goyim, uh, Goy, uh, that this, which is a secondary branch, which has been tasked with writing this thing, is, is, uh, is a nun Shemek, which in the original Paleohedra speaks of a son sowing the seeds which grow and bear fruit on a sign which is being lifted up for all to read. Isn't that a lovely concept? Next. That is so cool. Two Long letters. Concept, yeah. 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 A son sowing the seeds which grow and bear fruit on a sign which is lifted up for all to read. And it was, uh, you know, here we have the proof uh, that this is a family and that we're devoted to contributing because, quite honestly, the, this understanding of how these characters, when they're facing a, a letter in Yahweh's name, speaks of something that's positive, was your idea, Kirk. And the recognition that uh, the original sources said, well, this character means this and this character meant that, was just wrong. The Shemek's yeah. not a thorn. It's a sign. And it's clear as day. It's a sign. Uh, and the sign is leaning from right to left, like all of the letters mm-hmm. and, uh, that, uh, that lean that in Hebrew. And hey, there's, only, there's yeah. only, one, only one letter, I think, that leans in the wrong direction. Well, yeah, that's the gimel. And gimel. the facade is not, is not a symbol of this negative because it's looking that way, because it's a protective man sitting um, anyway, I'll, I'll cover that some other time, but I've, I've got further on that from today's yeah. study. But do you look we'll at the, uh, the Gimel? It, it's the letter for uh, Gomorrah, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's, the, it's the letter for Goy, isn't it? Everything. everything yeah, Goy, I'm going in the wrong direction. Yeah. That's why you shouldn't be emulating them, except uh, God says there is a Goy you ought to be paying attention to because yeah. he is uh, uh, preparing my people for the harvest. Now, with this in mind, uh, here again is Solomon's commencement address to the children of Israel upon the completion of Yahweh's home. This is what he, uh, he said. And therefore, regarding someone else, my observant and discerning foreigner from a different ethnicity 
and geographic location who will come to understand. Ha Nakri. Someone from a different place and culture speaking a different language who, having paid attention to me, will comprehend from Nakar by being attentive and astute, will become acquainted, recognize, and acknowledge something which deserves our attention and consideration. Who, to show the way to the benefits of the relationship, is not of your people, this Yisrael. He will come from a distant country in a distant time for the express purpose of being a witness and providing answers regarding your tremendously important name. The influence of your hand, the powerful and passionate ruler who is prepared to lead, the Shazak, and the protective ram who shepherds the flock, the Zeroah, whom you have extended. That's marvelous. So what God is saying is this, this uh, Nakri, uh, mm-hmm. my, uh, my foreigner who, uh, who has been diligent studying, who is uh, sowing these uh, seeds that are being written on, on uh, my sign, the first thing that he says about him is that he's here to, uh, for the express purpose of being a witness, to provide answers. And the first thing that he is providing an answer on is the one thing that Yahweh's people bungle. There isn't a single person in Israel who is saying, it's Yahweh. <laughs> His name isn't Hashem. His name isn't G-D. His name isn't the Lord. It isn't uh, Adonai. If you want to speak about him, his name is Yahweh. Direct. Mm -hmm. Stunningly important. Your tremendously important name. The influence of your hand. What do we constantly talk about in terms of Yahweh's name? It is an arm reaching down and out to us with an open hand. Mm-hmm. The powerful and passionate ruler who is prepared to lead. Don't. The one who is he able is to right protect hand. his people. Yes. Yeah. And who is the protective ram who shepherds the flock, the Zeroah, whom you have extended. When he arrives on the scene and chooses to pursue this, then... He will help interested parties reconcile their relationship by providing those who exercise good judgment with the information needed to make correct and reasoned decisions regarding this familiar relationship. And that's what we have striven to do. We're not telling you to believe us. We're not telling you to um, think about our opinions. We're not trying to to do anything other than provide information that if you are an interested party who wants to form a relationship with Yahweh, you can use what we have learned and we can prove its validity such that you can make a correct and reasoned decision Mm -hmm. about this relationship, about the family. El ha beeth hazeth. When you hear it coming out of the heavens, 
Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say this, two things. I've never seen or heard of anyone teaching the Torah in my life correctly. I mean, they all have some sidekick going to tell us why, what this means to, you know, through Christianity, through uh, rabbinic Judaism, through you name it, uh, or what they or their opinions are. Uh, and then the and and well, I'm sorry, I've lost my thought. Well, yeah, I was going to say that you know, the perfect example is today. I decided that I would uh, go back in the second of three uh, Kippurim chapters, and I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, going to uh, say, okay, there's, there's two chapters of Zachariah, because the, the entire, uh, this entire uh, oh. chapter of Kippurim is on Zachariah, because Zachariah has a marvelous presentation of the fulfillment of Kippurim when Yahweh returns. And so there are two chapters in it that are very, very difficult to interpret. Uh, it's uh, chapter three and chapter four. Chapter three mm-hmm. is about uh, a meeting between uh, uh, three people uh, to whom uh, Zachariah was invited to witness. And the discussion is between uh, Yosha, uh, not Yosha ben Yahweh, if you want to even go that far, not Yosha the Passover lamb, not Yosha the, uh, the um, one who, who brought the, the chosen people into Yisrael, uh, Yosha ben Nun. Yeah, no, we're talking about uh, Yosha, who at the time served as a high priest. Uh, and then you've got uh, Yahweh, and the third person in this discussion is Satan. Uh, and so God begins, uh, well, Zachariah begins by saying that, that uh, Satan was standing there accusing the high priest, uh, uh, Yosha. And then Yahweh steps up and says, no, I, I rebuke you, Satan. Uh, you're just flat out wrong. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do, because the, the idea here is if the high priest is sullied, as Satan is claiming, to the point that they are incapable of performing uh, the duties of Yom Kippur, where the blood is uh, sprinkled on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, for uh, mm-hmm. redemption, so the relationship can be reconciled. So Satan is basically saying, your high priest is such a corrupt and perverted bum, uh, is so filthy himself, that there is nothing he can do for the nation of, of Israel. So you're just wasting your time with these buffoons. Look at this guy. And yeah, I so, well, you know, Satan, I, I'm not buying your story. And, and I can solve this. Well, Malak, you you over there, would would you get him a, a clean outfit? Clean him mm-hmm. up. Now he can perform his job. And it is a recognition that the priests of Israel who were given this duty uh, after Aaron uh, have bungled it, and they're corrupt. And as a matter of fact, there aren't even any any uh, lowly priests anymore because the rabbis claim that uh, it's their job, and they, and, they don't, yeah, and they don't do it. So God, so Satan is saying, if they can't do it, then you can't reconcile the relationship. So it's a really, it's a challenging passage. I, I remember that the, one of the, my favorite people, that the scientist and doctor that uh, mm-hmm. we, we learned so much about dimensions uh, from, 
Uh, our splitting point was that he wanted this to be Jesus. And I wouldn't use the term Jesus, yeah. but, but that's what he wanted to be. He says, you can't say there's no prophecy that doesn't mention Yosha. Here it is, you know. But no. Yeah. I mean, God's even saying, wait a minute. These clowns have no prophetic capability whatsoever. They're a bunch of buffoons. I, I'll agree with that. They are. But still, this is the symbolism that I've established through covered. them, and I'm going to clean yeah. them up so they can perform what I, uh, I want. Uh, you know, it's not talking about Jesus. Even well, if you got his name related, right. related But what I was going to point is that, you know, the, the Christian interpretation is that I went and I said, I'm just going to read to see what, uh, what is said about this, because it is a challenging passage to, uh, uh, to translate. You have to know that Yosha was a high priest at this time, that the high priests uh, uh, had turned to be corrupt, that they have been replaced, that, uh, that this is a stand-in for Yisrael, and Satan saying, you know, you can't honor Yom Kippurim based on this. So it's a challenging one. So I, I just read the uh, the Christian site. Oh my God, this is uh, you know it's, it's speaking of Jesus, and of course when of course. they mention Israel, it's speaking of the church. And, of course. Oh God, uh, yeah, just oh boys, you are so pathetically lost. And then of course the next chapter is a. Uh, I, I, I can't wait to find out what the uh, the Christians, uh, Twistians, say about it. But it, it's one that um, I, you know, I've got to be careful here because uh, I've tried uh, on two occasions to interpret it, and I'm over two, and so I may become over three uh, on interpreting it this time. But the and and I wouldn't be alone because Zachariah is constantly yeah. saying, "Hey, I don't get it. I don't know what you're talking about here." Could you explain this to me? And explain to him, and he still doesn't get it, and I'm right there in that same boat with him. But nonetheless, prior to the fulfillment of Yom Kippurim, which is what Zachariah is all about, um, there are two witnesses. And those two witnesses have a job to to do, and we know Mm -hmm. from elsewhere that one of the two witnesses is Elia. And the other witness remains uh, unnamed. And it's uh, um, about the role these witnesses uh, play prior to the fulfillment of, uh, of Yom Kippur. So it'll be a real hoot to, uh, to <laughs> just to read for giggles what the, what the Jews me, say and what the Christians say. Let me just add that. Before I had a senior moment, what I was trying to say, the other thing was that this is the only place where I've ever read where someone is translating and they're open to this is how it's done. Here's everything about it. JB did marvelous shows. I was allowed to sit in with him on that, and I showed him my two cents, and, and he showed me his 25 bucks worth. You know, it just this is the one place where we'll help you. If, mm-hmm. you, can prove it, if you can prove it's wrong, let's go at it. Fix it. We'll yeah. go at Rosely. So, oh, I mean, that, yeah. that's, that's unprecedented in anywhere in the world. Yeah, yeah I mean, how many times – are you aware of someone who has devoted 10 hours a day, uh, six and seven days a week for uh, um, 20 years doing this? And when they get to that point and their wife says, this I wouldn't give to uh, a, a fellow Jew, 
uh, because it's really too Christian. You need to go back and uh, and rewrite it. Uh, and it wasn't like it was promoting Christianity. It wasn't. It was condemning no, Christianity. No, 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 no. But but it I condemned know. Christianity uh, far too much and uh, and put uh, Yosha in the wrong role more than the Passover lamb. And so she said, you know, I wouldn't give this. It's, uh, you know, you're, what you've learned in coming home needs to be reflected in the other books. And, and yeah. so we've devoted a whole team in a better part of two years of our lives to rewriting these things because we want it to be accurate because it it yeah. matters to be accurate and because we're uh, we're learning so much we want to make certain that like when i had a friend of my uh, youngest son um uh-huh. uh, maybe my youngest uh, son's uh, closest friend and he had uh, grown up roman catholic and uh, and he uh talking to my son had an interest in finding out really who is Yahweh and what was he, uh, he offering. And, and so as I would encourage him to read these books, he'd say, you know, what you're telling me about who Yosha is and our, in our personal emails and who Dode is and, and, and how all this plays out is inconsistent with what's written in your books. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, so let's go back and rewrite it. But that is a, uh, that's something that, well, the rabbis have been wrong from the beginning, but they don't ever go back and say, well, we were wrong about this. Let's uh, get this corrected. They don't do it. Just, so, no, scholars don't that's do what it. this says. So when he arrives on the scene and chooses to pursue this, then he will help interested parties reconcile the relationship by providing those who exercise good judgment with the information needed to make a correct um, and reason decision regarding his familial family relationship. When you hear it coming out of the heavens, uh, coming from the atmosphere within the location where you live, then engage and act accordingly, doing everything which to show the way to the benefits of the relationship. My observant foreigner from a different ethnicity and geographic location who understands has invited you to read. Doing so for the express purpose of being a witness who provides answers such that all the people of the earth will have a genuine and ongoing opportunity to become familiar with, to know, to acknowledge, to accept, to understand, to yada, your name. Yahweh's name. Yeah, yada, yada. Now, there is something there, too, that is so different today. All of these uh, nincompoops who are pursuing um, uh, their conspiracies don't ever send you an article. They don't ever send you a book. They don't ever send you something that, that can easily be fact-checked. Well, I send you a video of some other nincompoop using Photoshop and, and unfounded opinions to say this, that, and the other. And it has no value because you can't fact check it. Mm-hmm. And so, ugh. And if you look at the, the Hasidic uh, Herodim, what do they do? The only thing they read 
were written by Nicobub rabbis 1,500 years ago. Oh. There is power in the written word. Yahweh con- communicated with us through the written word. And with the written word, you can study it. You can uh, take it in at your own pace. You can go back over it as often as you would like. You can, there's a marvelous thing now, it's called a search engine. You can take Yada, for example, in this previous statement, and you can look it up. And you can say, does it mean, particularly when it's written in the call imperfect, have a genuine and ongoing opportunity to become familiar with, to know, to acknowledge, to accept, and understand? And does Eth Shem Atta mean your name? Mm-hmm. And if it does, deal with it. Yeah. He will come to respect and revere you, along with your people, Yisrael. And isn't that the truth? The more we've come to know Yahweh, the more we've come to respect and revere him. Now, why don't I put him on a pedestal? We don't worship him. We don't even pray to him. We've never gotten down on a knee to him. We don't beg him for anything, ever. Pay him nothing. We respect him. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. This is so that they might know that truthfully, I have built for your family this house. This is Solomon speaking which to reveal the correct path to give life meaning is designated and called by your name. The Badim HaYomim, Words for the Days, Second Chronicles 6.33. Now, I did not ask Yahweh to draw your attention to our work, only to help us do it correctly. And yet... I would be doing God and his people a disservice to run from these prophetic pronouncements. Yahweh wants Yisrael to listen to him and to come home. And not finding a Yehud who was willing to engage, Yahweh not only stooped to using a goy, he seems rather pleased with what we have accomplished on his behalf. And if there's anyone out there who feels slighted by that, uh, who feels that, you know, we're being a little egotistical here or a little self-serving here, then, then let, let me just share with you a couple of things. I sat down in this chair this morning at 5.30. Sometimes I sit down at 5.15. Sometimes I sit down at 5.45. I will typically leave this chair at about 7.30 in the evening. I've done that now, six and seven days a week for 20 years. I've been paid nothing for it. I uh, have earned, because our first project, about 10,000 death threats. Um, I have, you know, interest, but I don't pursue them. This is my life. You know, if you want to say, you know, that's being a little presumptuous of you, why don't you find somebody else who's, who's got a bookshelf that just when the spines are left to right on that bookshelf is two feet thick? 
I mean, if you if you're feeling somehow like, well, that's preposterous for someone to make that claim, then join us. You didn't make it. Yahweh did. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't make it. Yahweh made it. And if you want it to be about you, great. Oh gosh, I'd be the happiest guy in the world if there was somebody else who, when we're done with this, will be 25 volumes. Wouldn't it be wonderful if there was somebody that had 50 volumes and, or even 10 volumes, but they were better? Just one? Just well, one. Well, it's just one lone goy. I'm sorry. Well, there's only reason that there's one goy is, isn't because he wouldn't have preferred there to have been oh, yeah. a thousand yeah, or a million Yehudim. It's not because he wouldn't brothers. have preferred to have had, if, if you're not going to have, you know, a, a million Yehudim or a hundred thousand Yehudim or 10,000 Yehudim or, or, uh, or a thousand Yehudim or a hundred Yehudim or for crying out loud, one Yehud. <laughs> it's not because that wasn't his preference and it wasn't because his preference wasn't to have a million Goyim or a hundred thousand Goyim or 10,000 Goyim or, or a thousand Goyim or a hundred Goyim or 10 Goyim. It just, well, there weren't a whole lot of people out there saying, yeah, I'll do this. Uh, shame on them because what, what a great job. But it is a major um, um, task. This is, this is um, you know, even my wife complains now. says, you know, occasionally you've got to... Get up. <laughs> Occasionally. I said, okay, I'll take, I'll take some time off as soon as we finish editing all the books. Uh, and uh, so that we're writing back to writing new material again, volume three of Coming Home. I'll, uh, I'll not uh, devote quite as much uh, time to it. Because by that point, I mean, if you have four feet of books to read, that may be enough. <laughs> that may be enough. Well, all we had was I cried after you after I read Yada Yah. I said, "Oh gosh, there's nothing else." And then I went back and read it again, found a whole bunch of more stuff. You can read oh. the same one over and over and over. Yeah. And oh, even, and I want to tell you, you I'm uh, I'm doing this now. I'm 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 reading our books, and mm-hmm. and it's it's an inspiring situation just to read Yahweh's word, particularly now that. We've improved the translations, and we've uh, we've um, made the corrections, and, the and stuff, we've yeah. incorporated yeah. what we have learned. It, it's a it is an uplifting and wonderful read. Oh, so yeah. it occurred to me that that I might put my contribution into the proper perspective. If uh, I referred to myself as a delightfully happy and fulfilled monkey. The beloved sidekick of a wise and caring organ grinder. I'd be nothing without him, and yet with him allowing me to tell his story to his people, the student becomes a teacher, integrated into Yahweh's story as these events play out before him. You know, isn't that amazing that, that like, Dode was the best student, and the best student became the, the best teacher. And, you know, Dode mm-hmm. is the best teacher. You got said that just in, the, in Yashaya here, the best teacher of all time. And yet 
even in our more modest way, we started off as students, and we're still students, but we're also yes. teachers. Yes. And and because Yahweh has chosen to work through people and the covenant relationship in his name are so important to him, and this time is so important to us, God likes to acknowledge those people who are working with him to advance what he wants achieved. So we are named in his story. And as much as we would say, I would prefer it not to be, it is as it needs to be because God is our father. He's proud of what his children are accomplishing. And he wants people to read it. And he wants people to pay attention to it. And and it's not just that he wants people to pay attention to it. He wants to enjoy what his children are achieving. He, he put all this out for us to grow from it. So if suggesting that Yahweh's Nakri is performing on behalf of one far wiser than he is offensive, I apologize. I, I love this job. I, uh, As I learn and come to understand, I'm afforded the opportunity to teach God's family. And yes, I'm thrilled by what we've accomplished. I am, however, overwhelmed. You know, it's one thing to read of and share the heroics of Moshe, the more I learn about that man, the more I, I really come to admire him and Dode. And, you know, Dode is, is, the, uh, is such an interesting character because at eight years old, you know, eight years old, man, I was this scrawny little kid who was afraid of his own shadow. I was so shy. It was painful. Uh, I didn't like me. I mean, I didn't like me at all. I didn't have a clue. And at eight years old, Dode has been anointed in the spirit. He's been uh, anointed the Messiah, and he's gone off and slayed Goliath. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> shortly thereafter that, you know, he is writing the most magnificent songs that ever have ever been scribed. And he no, started off at eight, at eight years old. Now, I'm going to tell you, by the time that, uh, that Dode got into his uh, 50s and 60s, he uh, he wore down, and yeah. you know it was about the time we certainly about uh, uh, forty was about the time that we were just starting to engage, which yeah we still beat you know Moses by forty years that that was pretty good, uh, but, <laughs> but we're not going to be around one hundred and twenty so we don't have as much time to go. No, that's, but uh, yeah, you know, very it, short short window. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, these. Guys are amazing, or what Yosha put up with. Yeah. It's or just to read the stories of Elia, I'm going to go against uh, 850 uh, of the um, of the prophets of uh, Baal, the Lord, and uh, and uh, uh, Asherah. Um, it goes by a bunch of different names, but then uh, he's just so confident. Uh, it, it's just. What a marvelous story. And, you know, of course, there are some weasels on the story. I, I'm not a fan of Abraham. It's, it's God's choice. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm not crazy about Abraham. Um, yeah, yeah, he, he doesn't appeal to me. Uh, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah uh, that's okay. Um, yeah, my, my value system conflicts with Abraham's. Uh, I just think selling your wife into uh, prostitution with really rich uh, people so that you can get uh, 
uh, a larger flock and uh, and gifts is a really crappy idea. But that's uh, that's just my thing. I, I thank you. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, don't I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't uh, tried to lay out to see. You know, uh, could I could I get a, a hundred uh, lambs? I don't know. But not just kidding. Uh, I just think, so but there are some people. Duck, I don't know very much. Yeah, the people. Yeah, sorry, don't forget the duck. I, I, I know, being, being silly. When the front head flies through. Yeah. 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 It's really. Yeah. Um, there, but there, to tell the story of of those people is thrilling. Uh, but it's an entirely another experience to uh, to see oneself spoken of in ways that we have just read. And, you know, I'm aware of my flaws and my failings, and but you know, I'm also aware that I'm pretty dark gun devoted. And um, yeah. Sure. But I am struggling to put all this into perspective. My intent was to remain as Yada, as an invisible and transparent witness, striving to share Yahweh's testimony as accurately as possible. But my father, he wanted more. He incorporated his adopted son into his story. I've become the voice calling out in the wilderness of words, preparing all who will listen for Yahweh's arrival. With his firstborn, our shepherd, Messiah and King. Having a goyish monkey perform uh, in this fashion for God may come across as a bit insulting, and perhaps that's the point. Giving, given every advantage, Yehudim turned a blind eye to Yahweh. And so by using a goy, our father may be taunting his children, saying, if he gets it, why are you so clueless? Yeah, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, God tried every other approach, including speaking directly to his people, mm-hmm. with limited yes. success. So now, in his final attempt at awakening them, um, he's using a goy. If you're offended, Good. To live up to your calling. We'll sing together. I'll gladly retire. The reunion with his family on this day may be the single most joyous moment in Yahweh's eternal existence. And to think that he wants to share it with the likes of us is more than we can process without getting emotional. And yet it is so Yah, so much like the loving Father we've come to know and respect. So not to disappoint, let's move on to the next line in his program. Yashaya 56.9 All of your animals of the open environs may come to eat, including your every life form of the forest. Now, may just seem like a throw part, uh, throw out line, but no. What God is telling us is that the earth is going to be transformed back into the conditions experienced in Eden. When Yahweh tells us a story of what a day was like with Adam, the story he tells us is the story mm-hmm. of bringing every living being to Adam for God and Adam to interact with them and for Adam to explain what he thought about them. 
This is a big deal to God. This is, the the universe is big and shiny and uh, and interesting, but the most interesting part of the universe is life. Mm-hmm. So it would be like Eden if Yahweh brought all of the animals he created before his children. We might learn to more fully appreciate them and enjoy them. I wouldn't be surprised if we learned to speak with them. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have a conversation with a dolphin? Imagine the things you could share if you could talk with a platypus. I'd like to talk with paint. Yeah, with your dog. Absolutely. Paint, what in the heck were you thinking? (laughs) Respond. (laughs) (laughs) There is the possibility that Yahweh is using Chaya metaphorically. Che speaks of those who are alive and Yah is the familiar form of our father's name. Those of us who have come uh, following the Teruwa harvest to witness to Yahweh's return on Yom Kippurim, now living with the Yahweh integrated into, with the, we actually have Yahweh integrated into our nature. We're going to be nourished by all of this. Uh, uh, it is a feast followed by another, Sukkah, where we camp out with that. In the following statement, speaking of, uh, of, of paint and dogs, Caleb is, uh, is dog. And, and dog is being used symbolically to depict various uh, uh, vicious and rabid rabbis. It is a challenging metaphor today because unlike 2,700 years ago when this was written, dogs have become part of our families. Yeah, Even the yeah. Hebrew word for dog, Kaleb, means all heart, kol leb, depicting why we have come to love them so much. But back then, dogs were not cute. Hunted in packs, they were cunning scavengers, often preying on the young, the old, the unprotected, and the weak. Now, to be fair to Yahweh, one of his favorite people bore the name Kaleb. When the Israelites cowered at the opportunity to enter the promised land as a result of hearing that there were others living there after the spies came, uh, came back, it was Caleb whose courage and understanding caused him to rise up, take a stand before the people. Caleb was willing to trust Yahweh and go where God's words had led. And as a result, Caleb... And Yosha alone, among that entire generation, were invited into the promised land. It is because they did not hesitate. They did not equivocate. In Yahweh's presence, they were always ready to go. That's a story. It is. It's an amazing he just, story. He just, he, just, he just, well, I mean, no, but he just wiped out the entire Egyptian army, the mm-hmm. only major army Egypt had. And yes. in the uh, and, and they're worried from this point on. Yeah, that there's some Amorites and Pretzelites and and, uh, and Hittites and. Uh, I, mean, I mean, come on, guys, let me out. You've, come on, guys. you've just been released as slaves through a series of miracles from Mitzrayim, which at the time was the most powerful empire on earth, and you yes. watched 
the Egyptian army drowned while you walked across the uh, the Gulf of Aqaba. And you've been miraculously fed all of this time. And you've actually heard God and seen his presence. And, and you're going to hesitate now. <laughs> you're worried, worried about a bunch of Canaanites. Oh, God. Give me a break. But, that's the whole, but that is the whole thing. Are you going to trust and rely on God or not? Yeah. If you're not going to trust and rely on God, you're not going to live with him. Yeah. Understood. Yep. But, so yeah. having not learned the lesson of Caleb 3,500 years later with another open invitation to enter the promised land, we find Israel's leaders once again paralyzing the people. Those uh, of those working to silence God's voice by shouting over him in the aftermath of the Teruah harvest, God says. His watchmen, those assigned to be Israel's lookouts to keep watch, protecting Yehudim, in other words, political, religious, military, academic, mm-hmm. and media representatives, yeah. uh, are blind. Are blind. They're unable to see. They're unaware. They're all ignorant and opposed to Yada. They're all dumb dogs without the capacity to understand or ability to prevail. Barking and howling, panting while dreaming, lying around smitten with their inactivity and lack of awareness. These dogs have the soul of a goat as they are stubborn, aggressive, and disagreeable creatures who are bitterly antagonistic. They never acknowledge that they have taken too much. They are shepherds without yada, ignorant and irrational, devoid of understanding. All of them have turned to their own way, every man for his own ill-gotten gain and dishonest advantage without exception or restraint. God is speaking of rabbis, primarily and secondarily politicians in Israel. He is saying that they have no idea that they have taken too much. They have no idea that there is stubborn and aggressive and disagreeable as a goat. You know, there's a reason why Yahweh differentiates sheep and goats. Sheep from the goats. Sheep yeah, are lovable. They're smart. They're cooperative. They're they love relationships. They'll come if you call their name. Goats. Ah. Goats are mean. They're all dumb dogs without the capacity to understand. Those who are claiming to be the wisest are the dumbest. Those who are claiming to be doing God's work are lying around smitten with their own inactivity and lack of awareness. What a indictment of Israel today. A watchman in the prophet's parlance is an official representative of the people who has the responsibility to keep watch over them, protect and inform them, and to be aware of what is happening all around them. As such, Sapak are Israel's political, religious, military, academic, and media leaders. And according to God, they're blind. Yada has been used prophetically, throughout this prophecy. 
as both the title under which these 25 volumes devoted to more accurately translating Yahweh's testimony have been written, as my pen name, I'm attuned to its use. And on each of the previous three occasions, Yada has been negated, thereby showing the degenerative effect of Judaism on Jews, causing the world's brightest to become ignorant and irrational when addressing Hashem. As more and more Jews denounce Judaism and engage in the covenant, some as a result of what they have read in Yada Yawa, rabbis are going to become ever more low Yada, fulfilling this prophecy. Well, that's easy for you to say. No, <laughs> they're vicious. Pal. No, I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad. I know, but I'm just so glad. Oh, vicious, so many people pal. are. Yeah. That, means, that means you're heading home. Yeah. Home they, yeah. But, thanks. I know. They, they, they will behave like a pack of rabid dogs. Too sick mm-hmm. to realize that they are the reason their people are dying. Incapable of anything other than worn-out platitudes and ad hominem insults, they will remain completely out of touch with reality. Since rabbis are acclaimed as sages, as wise men, and as great and godly thinkers, the rabbis will find Yahweh's rebuke untenable. And yet, how does one deny the word of God, scribed by your prophet, to your people in your language. This attack on the motives and credibility of Yahweh's, of Yisrael's rabbis, Yahweh doesn't have a rabbi, is not only blistering, it specifically denounces the pack leaders at this moment in time, and it is comprehensive in documenting the extent of their malfeasance. Uh, we've just begun. These dastardly dogs are religious prostitutes. And I don't say that as an extrapolation because God specifically uses the term dog as a metaphor for a religious prostitute. Mm -hmm. Pretending to be wise, God claims that they are ignorant, deprived of by their religion and the greed of their capacity to understand. In his view, rabbis are blabbering, blathering idiots, impotent and incompetent, essentially comatose. From Yahweh's perspective, the men who claim to represent him are bitterly antagonistic and disagreeable creatures, obstinate and belligerent souls, far more like goats than sheep. God is calling Israel's religious leaders gluttonous, and insatiable, sexual predators, pursuing their own agenda. They are low yada bien, not just ignorant, low yada, but irrational, low bien, both clueless and stupid, unaware and incapable of understanding. To yada is to know, while bien speaks of understanding by way of making intelligent connections. They're neither. Should you think that Yahweh is prone to hyperbole? Let's consider the facts. The ten richest rabbis in Israel, 
they have a combined wealth of 765 million. The grandson of the Kabbalah master, Baba Saleh Rabbi Elazar Abu Hitzira, became the wealthiest of them all by charging Jews exorbitant sums for his blessings. By the way, when somebody had paid him like the fourth time for his blessing and the blessing yeah. didn't come true and his life didn't become any better, he went off and shot and killed him. Now his son uh, wow. deals with his fortune. Yeah. Rabbis are the highest paid clerics in the world with an annual average salary 350% higher than Christian clerics and five times more than imams. There is a fee for every occasion. You can't even die without paying the rabbis. And for what? Lying? These shepherds have become thieves with every rabbi, without exception, dishonest in their solicitation of ill-gotten gain. Worst of all, they are paid by the state of Israel with taxpayers forced to send these deadbeats to rabbinical school, as if it takes a special education to deceive and swindle the people. That's a great line. When it comes to issues of control, rabbis are ruthless. They will stop at nothing to keep someone from slipping away. They suffer from the normalcy bias, which causes them to rebuff manifest warnings of impending doom such as this and to live like nothing is ever going to change. This is uh, Yasaya. We'll, we'll, we'll end our program here on this. Yasaya, Yahweh frees, Isaiah 56.12. Come, let us consent to assemble together and agree to change everything around. Let us reach for and receive the wine, drinking fermented alcoholic beverages to remain inebriated and intoxicated, filled with a different spirit. Today Mm -hmm. will be like this day. Tomorrow will be like this day, with us more powerful and important than ever before, more exalted and wealthier, exerting our power and influence. That is Yahweh driving right to the heart of the rabbinical mindset. Let us to assemble together and agree to change everything around. Let's reach for and receive the wine, drinking fermented alcoholic beverages to remain inebriated and intoxicated. Tomorrow will be like today with us more powerful and more important, even more exalted and wealthier, exerting our power and influence. And such is the toast of the rabbis. With their bearded noses in the air, they fall flat on their tukases, soiling their ugly religious outfits in the process. Yahweh is describing people who are rallying to change his message and his word to suit their own political and religious agendas. Now, the undercurrent of both the Talmud and the Zohar is change. Moving from God to man, from freedom to control, from enlightenment to ignorance, 
but a new day is dawning. Yao is returning with Dode, and neither finds stupid appealing, especially when the idiots are braggarts. Intoxicated with their own sense of self-worth, their own words, their own religion and political schemes, Israel's leadership, especially the rabbis, meaning exalted ones, mm-hmm. have controlled Jews so long they can't imagine this ever changing. And yet during the Mikra of Teruah, as rabbis think they're ushering in a new year on Rosh Hashanah, their worst critics will vanish. What then? So we'll pick up the story uh, here uh, next week. Uh, Kirk, it's uh, (laughs) so um, reassuring, um, uplifting, liberating, and marvelous. Uh, I, I, you know, we translated this uh, last time um, eight years ago or nine years ago. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that even half of it uh, then. It's so much richer than we had had previously acknowledged. Um, and this is just the uh, the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of of um, rejecting religion, particularly for God's uh, uh, ethnic family, Israel and Yehuda. And using your eyes to read and your ears to listen to what Yahweh has to say. Um, The opportunity is there. Um, uh, No more than one-third of Yehudim are are even going to be considered for part of Yah's family. I don't know how uh, how much of of them will will be part. I hope many. But uh, all of the religious... All of the political Jews are going to be cast aside. And uh, imagine the consternation with Christians who are expecting this all-loving Jesus to come back with open arms to embrace his church. And there is no Jesus, and Yahweh's coming back. And, no, his first, and, and his first target is to turn you to, his first act is to turn you to, to goo. Goo. Yeah. yeah. yeah so... You know, Allah Akbar. Uh, sorry, pal. Huh. Yeah. Allah is a mouse, and uh, and I'm not buying it. Just, red, yeah. yeah. So it's going to be an amazing. I'm sorry. I'm uh, no, I, mean, I mean, we talk about horror. And I'm, I'm, I just the whole thing is so. Wow. So it's just. Whew. Come on, Yahweh. Though it needs to be done. It needs to be done. I'm. And, and what's really interesting too is, like when Yahweh describes. Uh, um, what's going to happen to those who come against uh, Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the plague is uh, going to dissolve them into nothingness. And you say, if you were a politically correct, uh, progressive um, yeah, critic here, if uh, you're part mm-hmm. of uh, cancel culture, you're going to say, that's, hate- that's hateful. We can't have hate that. Speech. That's hate, that's hate speech. We we need to bar that. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, would be barred from Facebook uh, and uh, all social media. And, and yet, what God's saying is, no, wait a minute. What, I, what I'm doing here is totally fair. Just that you're free. Everybody that is uh, is 
been attacking my people as re- in religion and politics um, has plagued them. And so all I'm going to do is I'm going to plague the plaguers. Yes, what did you do? more than that. And the plague that the plaguers plagued the plaguees with caused their souls to dissipate into nothingness, just to fade away into nothing, to cease to exist. So what is Yahweh's payback plague for the plaguers? <laughs> They're going to cease to exist. They turn. They just dissolve. Hmm. It's just totally and completely appropriate, totally and completely fair. Uh, yeah, I was doing exactly what we would expect. Yes. So it's not mean. And in fact, it's really loving because if he didn't do it, then eternity would be a miserable experience. It's one thing to have to endure the, uh, the nincompoops and all the aggravation in our lives uh, for you know, however long we, we live on, uh, on this planet. Our mortal, can you imagine doing it for eternity? You know, no, I, I was I was was writing you because know, they were talking about uh, in the millennial Shabbat, their winter and summer are going to be the same. So I said it's kind of like where I live now. They, uh, you know, today the uh, the high uh, was uh, 84, and the uh, the low tonight will be uh, 82, and there will be a constant 12 uh, 12 knot uh, uh, trade wind. Uh, and you know, it might rain, but if it rains, it'll rain for 15 minutes, cool things down a little bit. And uh, water all the plants, keep things green, and, and then then uh, the skies will clear. Uh, and he said, so you know that's uh, uh, that's pretty nice when you you can walk outside and say you know that. And I said, you know, sometimes in the winter it gets uh, chilly. It gets chilly enough that you, you think about putting on shoes. Uh, yeah, because, because you know <laughs> you know the average high in the winter time is uh, is only seventy eight, and the the low of course is seventy six. But uh, you know. That's the way things are going to be. It's going to just it's you know going to be an unbelievably blissful, enjoyable existence where uh, you're not going to have to deal with uh, cold and hot and and it's even the uh, the briars um, and the bristles and the thorns are going to be replaced with soaring and beautiful flowering trees. So it's. Um, it's going to be a marvelous thing that Yahweh is inviting us to for the millennial Shabbat. And he has said well, I'll need, so I'll much need, about so, yeah. it. I need to come down and visit some more so I can learn. How yeah, to I know. Kirk, see, yeah, you've, you've been here. You, you, uh, you know that uh, life uh, here is uh, simple. Uh, it's a little bit uh, primitive, um, but it's talk about a, a lovely place to, to write. There are no distractions. You are not going to worry about uh, going to the theater or going to uh, to watch a sporting event. Uh, you know, you're not going to worry about going out to a fancy dinner. You know, there's just a lot of things you're not going to do. <laughs> yeah, you're you're not worried about well, which grocery store am I going to go to? Because there's a grocery store. That you're one. About, you know that one. <laughs> you know, so. Uh, it's a, it's a very life simple it's a very very simple life and the and you know and so you can you, know. you can spend all the time you want being inspired and thinking about life and eternity is going to be with God and I think that's what God intends and, and because the uh, the world is so hectic that's why we moved mm-hmm. here 
tugs yes. is to get away from all of that stuff. And that's, that's the intent of the Garden of Eden. The return to the Garden of Eden is we're just getting away from all that clutter and, and distraction and lies yeah. and, and ignorance. To a, a place breath. that's just, just really simple. Yeah. You know, there's uh, the, the ocean and trees and beautiful sky and um, a simple life, uh, nature. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, it's inspiring. And so that's, that's, I think, what God is taking us back to. So uh, we will pick up the story of the, uh, of the dastardly uh, dogs uh, next week. Yes. Okay. As Yahweh excoriates the uh, the rabbis, and it's only a matter of time before the rabbis start to excoriate us. Um, well, so we'll see I'll how that plays candy. out. I'll be your book cabbie, You know, just give me a big, yeah. uh, a great big briefcase. So. Never run from a fight uh, when it's uh, when the when anyway, when character Yawa. counts and when it's the right thing to do to stand up, and when uh, it's Yahweh we are defending. Uh, and his people, uh, yeah, I've got no issue taking uh, taking David the blows Goliath. for uh, for uh, for that. Yes, indeed. There, what you uh, you know, as Dode said, you loudmouthed uh, and uh, filthy uh, uncircumcised Philistine, uh, and and that's essentially what God is saying with His own people. In fact, there is there is a line in all of this where where uh, Yahweh compares the rabbis to Goy. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, the Goy have become more like Yehudim, and the Yehudim more like Goy. Yeah. Yeah, so don't tell me that God doesn't have them figured out. They haven't fooled anybody, except their own. Yeah. Yeah, Israel right now is such a uh, an interesting place because you have this completely dysfunctional government um, that's liberals and conservatives and, uh, and even um, the Muslim party. Forming this, this, yes, uh, government, and the only thing that I can say, that, well, first of all, I think that uh, Bennett happens to be a pretty, uh, a pretty sound uh, guy. Um, certainly, everything that I've heard the man say, you'd say, oh, that's pretty cool. That guy's uh, no ego, um, devoted to doing the right thing. Uh, but uh, the, the number one thing they could do, and, and they're just not doing enough of it, is. I think they were elected primarily to constrain the influence of the uh, uh, Herodim. Um, yeah, so that Makes so sense. that they don't they that they uh, have to serve in the IDF, so that they uh, have to take uh, math and language and and sciences in school, so they can be a productive part of the workplace, so that they're not paid to be religious all the time. So there's no welfare for for them so they can act religious all the time. Um, that's the, it's the only way Israel's going to survive. And I think to a large degree, uh, Netanyahu coddled them and bribed them so that he could be uh, elected. And, mm-hmm. uh, and now that they, uh, they aren't part of the government, they're, they're just having a conniption fit and, and calling everybody mm-hmm. in Israel uh, horrible names. And one of the things that's really been interesting too, is that, uh, I uh, I made a mistake with Netanyahu. I thought that Netanyahu deserved to be reelected because of his um, uh, ability to 
to really stand up to uh, to Muslims to actually renounce the two-state solution, to um, uh, be a major proponent and usher in the Abraham Accords, which I thought were good for Israel. Uh, and so he seemed like this is the, a guy trying to do the right thing. And, Man for the job. And then, yeah, and then uh, two things have changed. One is you just see now we know how much he coddled and uh, and bribed the Herodim and how long he's done it and how bad that has been for Israel and how anti-God they are. And the second thing is we see him as a petulant little child as now is part of the uh, the opposition. You know, he didn't want to move out of the, uh, the home uh, – uh, is constantly snickering when, like uh, a week ago, there was a um, a bill that is essential for Israel's success, which uh, precludes Muslims from uh, declaring Israel uh, Israeli citizenship and therefore voting ag- against the uh, the country of, of Israel, the best interests of Israel. And rather than taking Likud, who has always supported it, and supporting it because it's the right thing to do, the entire Likud party voted against it just to embarrass the new government. Uh, that's disgusting. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, watching Netanyahu on the sidelines uh, is, uh, is a really a sad s- state of affairs. And then uh, watching the, um, uh, the religious in America who looked at Netanyahu like he was a messiah, um, now condemning Israel for replacing him. Um, uh, it's disgusting. And, and then you should, uh, I would encourage the Covenant family to do as I've done. On, on your phones, you can uh, have a direct link to the Jerusalem Post. It's the newspaper I go to more than any other. I read it every morning when I wake up. I read it every night before I go to bed. Uh, read how the... Uh, the Herodim, the uh, the ultra orthodox, are reacting to this new government, and like the chief rabbi saying, uh, it is absolutely ridiculous and a waste of time for any Jew to study the sciences, to study math, to study language. They should spend all of their time studying Torah. Now, when they say Torah, they're not talking about the Torah of Yahweh; they're talking about the Talmud. And uh, and nothing else, and then them calling just despicable names, Jews who uh, want them to be net contributors as opposed to net parasites. Uh, you should read it. It's also so many articles on on uh, the Jewish uh, um, the risk now to Israel based upon the consequence of what the United States did. When the United States invaded and gave Iraq to Iran, and you know, I began to I'm say serious. that, yeah. I probably began to say that 12, 13, 14 years ago. And now, uh, and, uh, and like in the Jerusalem Post, they'll say it matter-of-factly, mm-hmm. that you know, Iraq is now Iran. The United States mm-hmm. invasion of Iraq made a bad situation worse by giving Iraq to Iran. When we gave Iraq to Iran, it then changed uh, the uh, allegiances in Syria such that Hezbollah uh, 
invaded uh, Syria. And now you've seen what Hezbollah did to Syria. That when Syria fell to Hezbollah and Iran, uh, so did Lebanon. Lebanon is an absolute freefall. Their economy is in complete shambles. So you want to see what the consequence of the United States invading Iraq. It is all of the Muslims, two to three million of them that have migrated to Europe, taking the disease of Islam with them and fundamentally changing Europe so that it's hostile to, for Jews to live there. Mm-hmm. Um, it has destroyed Syria. It has destroyed Lebanon. And it's now an enormous threat to Israel. And almost all of the rockets now that uh, are shot by Hamas and the funding for them is from yeah. Iran. We've yeah. fundamentally changed the, the basis of the way the Middle East operates and the Islamic world operates, and it's all America's fault. That's why uh, Yashaya 18 condemns America for what we, uh, we have done. There is an article, uh, though, talking about what... What's going to happen now with Hezbollah? Because Hezbollah has 130,000 rockets, uh, some of them ballistic, some of My them uh, many long range, and the uh, Iron Dome can't keep up with them. Mm-hmm. And what the, uh, the consequence is going to be and the number of Jews who are going to die. And the realization that uh, all of the hawks in Israel say, you know, we, we, their only hope is to wipe uh, Hezbollah out. So there is no Hezbollah. We, we have to stop, you know, playing surrender uh, when the white flag is raised. We have to stop paying attention to international cries of, uh, of unequal force and literally wipe them out. And they do not understand that you cannot defeat a religious foe with bullets and bombs. Mm-hmm. Make them stronger. And they don't understand that. So it's going to be uh, its interesting. Israel is in for a very, very rough ride. Uh, and it's going to get progressively worse. By the way, I, I think I probably should share one last thing. Um, okay. There is in cancel culture and Black Lives Matter uh, and in progressive uh, uh, agenda in America, there is this uh, overwhelming desire to label everything Caucasians have done as evil and that uh, the what they would say is that is that uh, um, blacks are the embodiment of everything good and whites are the embodiment of everything that's evil so I would like to uh, encourage people to pay a little attention to what's going on right now in Haiti was never enslaved Mm -hmm. Uh, of course the uh, not only was the uh, the president recently murdered and he was just a as bad as the his predecessors but the country is in free fall with riots look what's happening in republic of south africa the nature the nation is in complete chaos look what happened with zimbabwe the nation is complete chaos Look what's happening in Ethiopia. Look what happened with the Sudan when we finally split the Sudan from the uh, Arab Muslim north to a black Muslim and Christian and and animist south. What they've done, how horrendous it is. You know, I live in a community where where it is 100% black leadership. 
a hundred percent and and everything from the police to the judicial system to the uh, the government and yet the murder rate here blacks killing blacks is seven times greater than it is in the continental u.s uh, there's a fundamental problem and it's the problem isn't racial there's no difference in and the nature of people based upon their skin color the problem is in the culture and uh, if you get anybody to speak of it honestly, they know that, that there are serious problems in the African-American culture that have to be resolved if black lives matter, and they should matter. But it's time for this community to start pointing the finger at themselves as opposed to others mm-hmm. and to recognize that uh, their lack of integrity in terms of the way they treat women the way women treat their children, and the way men treat women. And the the almost complete breakdown of the family. And a tendency to use violence instead of words has caused the community to suffer um, grievous harm. And the only solution is to do away with those things to get men to be fathers, to be husbands, to, to stop abusing women, to get men to, to use words rather than guns, to stop this victimization mindset, and to instead make life better by doing the right kinds of things and to be responsible. And then women have to do a far better job of raising their children as opposed to abusing them. But this is the reality, and it needs to change, and we need to have an honest conversation about it. Otherwise, it's going to continue to degrade, and all you have to do is uh, consider what I just shared with you. Mm-hmm. And if you want to see how liberalism works, go try to live right now in San Francisco and Portland, Oregon and Seattle, Washington, in Chicago, Illinois, even now in New York City. See what it's like to live in a, uh, in a community that is all liberal. In, in San Francisco, the Chamber of Commerce did a uh, survey, 40%, 40%, 900,000 people uh, are planning to leave. Yeah. There'll be, no, there'll be nothing left if, if 10% of them leave. The major chain stores are universally oh, yeah, target, target closing, closing yeah. uh, after uh, sunset. They says that we just, we're, we're yeah. so often robbed and our employees are so often threatened <laughs> in these communities. <laughs> we, we, uh, we're going to do our best to try to keep some of these stores open. They've shuttered most of them. We'll try our best to keep some of the stores open, but only during daylight hours. You know, you, if you're going to, as a resident or a visitor to San Francisco, you have to have a map that tells you where not to walk so that you don't tread in feces and, uh, and trip over uh, uh, drug needles. And it's that bad. Los Angeles is, is quickly becoming a, uh, a, a human cesspool. A cesspool, yeah. Yeah. 
And what's happened in these communities is that um, that people are just going from one drug fix to the next, and they don't have any any money, so they steal it. So crime is is ridiculously high. Drug use is and abuse is ridiculously high. Lives no longer matter. They don't have any merit. And no one is willing to take responsibility to solve these problems. And the liberals are simply making it worse. So we're on a crash course with a a total destruction of our economies, our currencies, the work ethic, business. Um, It's all coming crashing down. And there's only one viable solution. That's Yawa. That's why we write. That's why we do these shows. If you wish to have a happily ever after, it is the only way to find it. We would encourage you to listen, encourage you to read. Come to know the God that we've come to know. He is marvelous. He's embracing, uplifting, liberating, enriching, enlightening. He's every positive thing. And expect so little of us, and yet is so excited uh, when we achieve even something as small as as what we're doing. On that note, uh, may uh, Yah bless. Have a wonderful uh, Shabbat. Uh, my uh, best you to too. one and all. Hope that uh, you can come and and even more of you can have a a visit uh, here. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, Leah wants to uh, to do is uh, next year after we've uh, we're a little more uh, settled. Uh, to and we don't have all the COVID uh, issues. Is to uh, sort of ho- have an a, uh, an open uh, house. It's uh, it's primitive here, but I think a lot of covenant members would uh, would enjoy just uh, getting to know one another and uh, and celebrating a mikra, for example, um, uh, here in in uh, this very simple place, which is easy to get to because it is a U.S. territory, and there's flights. Yeah. Uh, from all over, fairly inexpensive to uh, get here, and I think uh, I think everyone would uh, would enjoy it. So we'll make that available as we move into uh, into next year. May Yah bless. I look forward to being with you next week. Good night. Shabbat shalom. Good night.